26th Psalm. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. Psalm 26, verse number 1. Judge me, O Lord. Sounds a little bit like what we've already heard, right? About examination, about chastisement. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. That's the second psalm in, in succession that we've heard this word integrity. Psalm 25 also had it. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Think about a slippery place. Think about a foot losing, um, you know, its, its foothold. You know, your feet being taken out from under you, Danny. Uh, that happens on the football field sometimes, doesn't it? Um, so he's saying, Lord, judge me. I've walked in my integrity. I've trusted also in you. Therefore, shall I not slide? So here's a man who's determined to walk uprightly. Here's a man who's depending upon the Lord to keep his feet. And he says, therefore, I shall not slide. You know, so what would the application of that be? It would be if you don't walk uprightly, if you aren't looking to the Lord, guess what you can be looking for? Your foot to slip, you know. Uh, we might, we might would have a, a good picture this morning to send out with the verses of scripture. Might have been one of those little, those little yellow signs they have in the, in the stores. Um, I flattened one of those recently. I was walking beside a Home Depot employee, and um, I was walking backwards while they were walking towards me. Before I was going to turn around because I didn't know where they were going at first, and I found one. It was right there, and it it didn't stand. Um, I had to pick it back up and help it but um, verse 2 he says examine me um, not many people like examinations uh, whether it's a paper and pencil or it's one at the doctor's office um, but here the psalmist is actually saying I want to be examined I want the Lord to examine me I want the Lord to look I want the Lord to find I want the Lord to remove I want the Lord to cause me not to slip or slide. Um, I had one of those. A slip and slide. You ever had one of those? <laughs> Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins, that would be my mind, um, and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons. That this, this is a person that's examined themselves, right? And he's saying, I've, I've not been sitting with vain people, um, idolatrous people. Neither will I go with those who are dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers. I, I love the congregation of the righteous. I've hated the congregation of evildoers. Um, I got in trouble one time by saying that in choosing this woman right here, and saying that I loved her, that, you know, by extension, I've not chosen any other woman on the face of the earth, and therefore, in a sense, I mean, I didn't hate them, but, you know, I didn't love them. I didn't choose them, you know. I mean, you could go to Jacob and Esau territory there, couldn't you? Um, but he says, I've hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. We know we're supposed to love our enemies. We understand that, but, you know, what are we talking about here? I'm not going to sit with the congregation of the of evildoers, of the wicked people. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do the things that they do. I'm not going to go the places that they go. Um, take the counsel that they take. Uh, I will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency. So will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving, and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house, and the place where thine honor dwelleth. You know, David at one point says he'd rather be a doorkeeper uh, in, in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness, right? Um, I have loved, verse number 8, the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men. Again, that's, that's not the company that we keep. That's not the places that, 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 that we're going to gather together. Uh, we're going to 
gathered together here with the assembly of the saints, gathered together here with the assembly of the righteous. Verse number 10 says, In whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity, redeem me, and be merciful unto me. And here we come back to the foot again. So we started thinking about the foot slipping in verse number 1. Get down to verse number 12. Look what he says. My foot standeth in an even place. It's kind of hard to walk on a slope. It's more difficult to walk on a slope than it is on even ground. Uh, I, I have to get up on roof, roofs occasionally. Um, my brothers and my dad don't get up on those roofs, you know. But you know, I had to get up there to see something, measure something, take a picture, you know, of something so they know how many roof vents and jacks that we needed and all that kind of stuff. But uh, some of them were very difficult to walk up um, and even hot in the summertime. I mean, I'd have to put gloves on just to be able to use my hands to touch the shingles to be able to go up on all fours, basically. And then you throw a metal roof with that kind of pitch on it. Um, and it's, you might, you can walk up the valley, you know, but walking up the straight pitch of the roof, that gets real, real hard. This one wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be bad, uh, but there are some that would be very difficult. But my, my foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. There's our reading of Psalm 26. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Bruce, would you pray for us? seated so there's another verse for us brother Bruce was praying you know walking in the spirit will not fulfill you know the lust of the flesh so but we, we seem to find David in a set of circumstances which created a need for him to examine himself um, you ever been you know, in a set of circumstances that created a need for you to examine yourself. You know, I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. You know, examine yourself. Examine your speech. Examine your thoughts. Examine your affections. Examine your emotions. Examine, you know, yourself in, in, in whatever way. You know, what David seems to have already done this work. He, done, he did this work of self-examination. But now he's going beyond that. And he's asking the Lord to examine him. Asking the Lord to see, asking the Lord to know, asking the Lord to discover, asking the Lord to find if there's, if there's something, you know, there that he needs to understand and to know and, and to deal with. So he, he's seeking in verses 1 and 2, we find him seeking to walk in integrity, which really has to do with, you know, walking in truth, you know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not like a, the hypocrite who doesn't walk in the truth. I, I'm walking in the integrity of God's word and what God's word has said unto me. I'm not just a hearer of those things. And, you know, those who sat in Moses' seat, what they said, you know, the Lord says, you know, listen to them. What they're saying is right, but don't do as they do. 
because they don't do the things that they say. Um, so he's not pharisaical here. You know, he's, he's being honest uh, with himself. And he's saying, you know, I, I can't see where what I have done or what I'm doing doesn't line up, you know, with the word of God. But then he also says, I understand that the only reason why I'm able to stand is because of God's grace. And I, I need that grace. I need that strength. I need the spirit of God to enable me those fruits. You know, we were talking about fruits this morning. Um, the fruit of the spirit. You know, I need those fruits in operation in my life. They come from the spirit of God. Um, I, I don't produce them, you know, myself any more than I'm able to make any of those seeds that my kids have planted you know, grow. I can't make those things grow. I, I can go out there and stick them in the dirt. I can cover them up, which I didn't do. They did. Um, I can water them. But it, doesn't the scripture tell us that? You know, we can, we can plant, you know, we can sow, we can water. Who's going to give the increase? God gives the increase. God's the one that does that. So he, he says, I've trusted in the Lord. You know, my, my trust in my integrity is not in myself. My trust is in the Lord. I trusted also in the Lord, and that is why. The Lord is the reason. He says here that, he says that I shall not slide. That I shall not slide. And so he says, Lord, examine me. I mean, listen to what he says there in verse number two. Examine me, prove me, try me. Um, you know, it, it, are, are we prepared, you know, to do that? You know, it's it's a good it's really a good place to walk. We we ought to walk there all the time. Uh, but if there's something that's catching, you know, there that's kind of keeping you from from saying the kind of thing that David's saying, you know, just be honest with the Lord, deal with it, you know. Uh, but examine me, try me, prove me. You know, my my thoughts and 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 in my heart. Um, so, like we said, no doubt David has searched himself before he invites the Lord to do so. Uh, he's, he's looking to see, is there something? And they said, Lord, I can't find anything, but you can find things I can't find. And so, you know, would you show me if there's something here that I need to be able to see, that I need to deal with? Um, one commentator, the, the heading that he had was nothing to hide. I thought, good statement, you know, to start out the things that we're talking about. Uh, nothing to hide, Lord. I, I'm, I'm examining myself. I'm doing the work work of self-examination, but I'm wanting you to examine me as well. I, I, I don't want to hide. I don't want to cover anything up. You know, I, I want it to be exposed. I want to come into the light, um, and I want that light to to shine upon me and my thoughts and, and my actions and my words. Um, I want that light to shine on me and see if there's anything that here, here's here's the thing. If there's anything that would bring reproach, not upon me necessarily, but upon the Lord. Is there anything that would bring a reproach upon the Lord? Because I'm to do all that I do to the glory of God. So I don't want anything to bring a reproach upon the Lord. Above all, let the Lord be praised, right? So that's the ultimate desire. We, we, we sang that first hymn this morning before Brother JT preached. Search me, O God, right? Well, here's, here's some of the words in that hymn. It says, grant my desire to magnify thy name. And why is David going through this exercise? And why is David saying the things that he's saying and asking the Lord to search him? Because he wants to magnify the name of the Lord. Um, he's not magnifying David's name. He wants to magnify the name of the Lord. And as we saw in our previous study in Psalm 25, it's the meek who are going to ask that. It's the meek who are going to say, search me, you know, Lord. Uh, the proud certainly wouldn't say, search me, would they? Um, you know, he's, you know, the, the proud Pharisee, you know, I've done this, I've done that. You know, there was the publican over there that, you know, won't even lift his eyes up to heaven. Um, but the meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. That was Psalm 25, verse number 9. So David's asking for judgment of his actions. Judgment of his actions. Do we need to fear God judging us? Hmm? Do we need to fear that? Do we need to be overly, you know, cautious here and concerned about what, what might happen if we ask God to judge us? No. No. Our, our, our God is, 
loving kind. He's long suffering. He's merciful. And, 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 you know, if we judge ourselves, Brother JT told us, what? We'd not be judged. But if the Lord has to do that work, he will do that work. But if he has to do that work, it will be precisely, you know, with the amount of whatever um, that, that needs to be done in order to bring us back to where we need to be. Um, you know, Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, he was long in Giant Despair's dungeon, it seems. Um, he had gone out of the way. He had stepped over the stile, and he had seen a pleasant meadow that seemed to go right along the way. And little by little, and this is sin, little by little it will turn you out of the way. And you will find yourself somewhere down there further than you ever expected that you would be out of the way. Um, and it's going to cost something. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt a little bit. To, to, the Lord's going to chasten us to bring us back to where you know, we need to be. So he's asking the Lord to judge his thoughts, his intents, his motives, his desires. We don't need to fear asking the Lord to judge us. We don't need to fear even the Lord chastening us. It is a kindness that the Lord does unto us when he chastens us. It is a kindness when the Lord corrects us. It's a kindness. Um, the Lord's not doing it in anger. He's not doing it in wrath. Um, you know, he's not beating us to the, an, an inch of our lives. He's not, it's, not, it's not 40, you know, stripes, you know, save one and, and that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be in measure. It's going to be what's needed. Um, what's necessary? You know, think of the kindness that it was for Nathan to come to David and tell him the tale that he told him. And David saying, that man needs to be put to death. And for Nathan to say, you're that man. You know, you are that man. But the Lord's forgiven, he said. You know, you're, you're trespassed. He's forgiven your iniquity. Um, Spurgeon said of this psalm, <clears throat> this is what he imagined as, as what was happening you know, that David wrote this. He says, no doubt this psalm was written by David when his cruel persecutor Saul, the more effectively to stab at him, spread false reports concerning his character. Now think back. And here, here this is what he's describing, what Spurgeon's describing here is Saul is, is chasing David through the wilderness, okay? This is, this is kind of the arena that's, that's happening. But you remember even before David stepped on the battlefield to slay Goliath, he had already been in Saul's service. You know, isn't that a remarkable thing? Yeah, he was, he was playing the harp because that evil spirit had come. Every time it would come and trouble Saul, David would come, you know, and play. And so here's this, this soothing, comforting presence of the, this godly, you know, man that's playing in Saul's presence. And then... You know, Goliath is slain, and, and it's not, it seems like when, when it gets to the part where David comes in and, 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 and the, the crowd of people are saying, you know, that Saul's slain his thousands, but David's slain his ten thousands. Well, now Saul begins to eye David in a different way. And he, you know, here it seems what, what Spurgeon is trying to present is he's, he's spreading falsehoods about David. He's impugning the character of David. He's trying to turn the heart of the people against, you know, maybe it started with just the, the close people in the, in, 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 in the in court, and then it spread from there maybe into the army. I don't know. You know, we know there were some valiant men who, who uh, you know, they, they stayed with David. You know, they were there in the, in the cave saying, kill him. There's Saul. He's come into the cave, right? God has providentially delivered him right at your feet so you can kill him. And David says, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed, but let me take you back. Now that I brought you to that place, let me take you back further before David was there in Saul's court playing upon his harp. Samuel had anointed him. Samuel had anointed him to be king. Can you imagine you being in a position of being anointed to be king? But yet there's somebody else on the throne. God said, you're going to be king, David. But Saul's still upon the throne. 
and there's Saul in the cave. And, and there he is, to, and his men are just, they're goading him. Do it, do it, kill him, kill him. I'm sure very quietly it's going to wake him up. Uh, but they're right in his ear, you know, and, and they're just trying to get him to, to take care. They're, they're done. You know, they, they, who would want to be in that position, that situation? I mean, just out in the wilderness like that and being chased, you know, like, a, like an animal. Uh, but they're ready to be done with this. You know, let's go ahead and kill him. You know, what army wants to follow us? You know, they can. What don't? Well, you know, we'll, we'll slaughter them too. But David says, no, I'm not going to do that. David deals with Saul in mercy and in, in kindness. It even smote his heart that he cut, you know, part of his garment off. But, but um, you know, we read about it in 1 Samuel 24, verse 2. It says, then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. I mean, you just, we don't know. We don't know what's around us all the time, do we? And Saul had no clue. Um, the men of David said to him, Behold, this is the day of which the Lord has said to you, Behold, I am about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. And it came about afterward that David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. So he said to his men, Far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. You know, David was convinced when it was time, Saul would be removed you know, from the throne. David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. So it was, you know, it was more here than just them in David's ear saying, David, you do it. David's had them to restrain these men so that they don't do it. Um, so it says that afterward, that, that Saul had got up and he went his way. And afterward, David arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. Here's a man anointed to be king. Here's a man after God's own heart who's waiting upon the Lord and trusting in him. And he's not going to raise his hand up against Saul, even though God has, has, has washed his hands in, in a sense of Saul uh, being king. He says, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, he, you imagine he, must, he knew that voice. He'd heard that voice too many times not to know it. Um, you know, you, before we had phones that announced who's calling, before you know, we picked up the phone to answer it, you know, um, you know, we knew people's voices, uh, and, and we'd say, well, you know, hey, hey, brother, how you doing, you know? Uh, hey, brother Bruce, you know, I recognized that voice as soon as he began to speak after I said hello. But here David is, my lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, what did he see? David with drawn sword, with spear in hand and shield, um, you know, guarding himself against Saul's attack. No, we see him bowed down upon the ground with his face to the ground and David said to Saul why do you listen to the words of men saying behold David seeks to harm you behold this day your eyes have seen and he's probably holding up you know this garment this piece of the garment you have seen that the Lord has given you today into my hand in the cave and some said to kill you but my eye had pity on you and said I said I will not stretch out my hand against the, my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Now my father see, indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you. Know and perceive that there is no evil or rebellion in my hands. When you think about an examination, right? There's no evil or rebellion in my hands. He was honest about that. And I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait for my life. You're seeking to kill me. I could have killed you. May the Lord judge. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients say, out of the wicked comes forth wickedness. But my hand shall not be against you. Now think about that. The Lord judge between you and me. The Lord avenge me on you. So maybe you might have a circumstance, you know, that you're involved in or have been involved in, and you're having to examine yourself, ask the Lord to examine you. 
and you found nothing asking the Lord to show you something if there is something you know this is this is David's circumstances here and what does he what's the, what's the end result of that he says the Lord judged between us you know I my conscience is clear the Lord judged between us the Lord avenge me I vengeance is mine saith the Lord I will repay David says vengeance isn't mine that belongs to the Lord avenge me the Lord avenge me on you The Lord judge between you and me. David had examined himself, and he appeals unto God to be vindicated. And that's what he's, he's asking for. If he had done wrongfully, the process would be no different, except that repentance would have been a part of it. Lord, examine me. If there's something found, repent of that thing, and, and go on. If we confess our sin, forsake that sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. So the process is no different. Here, I'll examine myself. I missed something. The Lord showed me something. Repent of that thing and, and go on walking, you know, in truth, walking in the light that you've been given. But, you know, can we say with David? He says in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. That's really what David's saying here in the psalm, isn't it? And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting because I want to walk in the integrity of, you know, the, the word of God, the, the light of the truth. I want to walk in, 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 in uprightly before you, really, is what it, what it amounts to, walking uprightly, desiring not to slip, desiring to walk in a, in a level place. You know, if that's, if that's where you want to be, then, then what's, what's, the, what's the problem in saying, Lord, test me. Lord, try me. Lord, see if there be you know, any wicked way in me. So the verses, like we said, between 1 and 12, he's, he's looking for his, his foot to find a solid you know, footing, we could say, um, you know, a, a good grip. Uh, he wants a good grip, you know, and, and maybe in our vernacular. Um, uh, David didn't have tread probably on the bottom of his shoes. You know, we, his, the bottom of his shoes were probably slick. I mean, they were just leather. Um, but you know, we've, we've got tread in our shoes now. And you get you got shoes for basketball, you got shoes for football, baseball, you got all kind of shoes for everything, hiking, you know, whatever water shoes even uh, to wear in the water. Um, yeah, to walk on a roof. There are there are shoes called tiger paws. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're they're meant to to walk on. I guess there's some other ones, Ryan, aren't there for metal roofs? They have magnets, don't they? You hadn't heard of those? Dad was telling me about them. Can you imagine shoes with 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 magnets on them? I mean. That's kind of like, you know, walking on the moon with weighted boots, I guess, in a way. You walk up a metal roof, you know, with magnets on the bottom of your shoe. You know, of course, there's something between the magnet and the roof where it won't scratch it, you know. But, but grip. Get a grip. You hear people say that, right? <laughs> well, how are we going to get a grip? Lord, search me. Lord, try me. Lord, see if there be any wicked, you know, way in me. Um, verse 3 says, For thy loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in, the tru in thy truth. Now, I, I think helpful here to me is is to is Acts twenty four sixteen, and what you hear Paul say, he says, "Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man." Um, there's a that's a level place. That's that's a place where there's not any slipping and sliding going on. Um, I'm 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 desiring an all good conscience to live before God and before men. Think about 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Or how about John 3, 21? But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. I mean, if you're wanting to walk uprightly, if you want to walk in all good conscience before God and before men, he that doeth truth cometh to the light. Cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So what are we after? God's glory. What are we after? That there be no reproach upon the Lord. He says, I, you know, what, what does that look like to walk in your integrity? Well, that's what we're looking at here. When you get to verse number four, he says, I've not sat with vain persons, idolatrous persons. Um, neither will I go in with dissemblers. You know, that, that kind of harkens back to Psalm 1.1. Psalm 1-1 says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, right? Nor standeth 
in the way of sinners. That doesn't mean you're blocking the sinner's path, right? <laughs> you know, get out of my way. You know, that's not what that means. Uh, it means you're going along with them. You're standing where they stand. You're standing with them, we could say that. You're standing with them. You know, when, when Danny's on the football field he's and, 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 and the huddle's called, he's standing with, you know, those. And there's a play being called, right? And everybody's going to execute that. Everybody's standing together. This is the play we're going to execute. And if you're standing with the wicked, it's the same sort of thing. In their wickedness, in their wicked plans, in their wicked deeds, in their wicked thoughts and motives, you're standing, you know, with them. Or same sort of thing, sitting, you know, with, in the seat of the scornful. Standing in the way. Standing with them. Associated with them. That would be the opposite of walking in the truth. That's a slippery slope. Uh, be careful who you hang around with. Be careful who you keep company with. It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. Psalm 119 verse 115 says, Depart from me, ye evildoers, or I will keep the commandments of God. Or 1 Corinthians 15.33, this one really, listen, be not deceived. Don't think that you can associate with those people and have no effect upon you. Okay? Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Don't keep company with them. Be a witness to them. Well, what's that look like? Sorry, guys. I, I can't. I can't do that thing that y'all are going to do. That, that's not right. Uh, that, that's, you know, for me, that's not something that's going to please the Lord. And that's who I'm seeking to please. And I don't want to bring a reproach upon his name, so I can't go along with you. I can't go along with this. I can't do what you're about to do. Exodus 23.2 says, You shall not follow a multitude in doing evil. Hmm? Think about the crowd out there, crucify him, crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Uh, some of those, you know, were, 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 they were, they were smitten, you know, in their hearts because they had been out there saying those things. And, and they're asking Peter, what, what shall we do? What hope is there for us? I mean, we were out there saying, crucify him, crucify him. You should not follow a multitude in doing evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice. Well, that's in our psalm about them taking bribes, right? And offering something to pervert justice, to get things to go your way. Uh, a ruling against maybe someone who's a righteous person in order for something unrighteous, you know, to be accomplished. Um, those are dangerous companions. Don't, don't keep company with such people. He says in verse number five, I've hated the congregation of evildoers. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? I've hated the congregation of evildoers. Well, how have you hated the congregation? I've not joined in with them. I don't love those things. I, I don't want to do what they do. Therefore, it could be described as my choice not to do those things as me hating those things, certainly. I've hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. 1 Peter 3, 10 through 11 says this, He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So turn away from evil. You know, I hate the congregation of the wicked. Turn away from evil. You know, turn away from that place. Psalm 97, 10 says, You who love the Lord, listen. It says, hate evil. You who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the soul of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth. He says, I hate. I wash my hands. That's where you come to verse number six, right? I will wash my hands in innocence. And I, I wash my hands of, the, of that business, of that wickedness, uh, you know, of that evil. I, I wash my hands of it. I, I, I'm, I'm going to come, I'm going to come past the altar of the Lord. 
I'm, I'm going to come to that place and worship him and please him and glorify him. I wash my hands of that other business. We're in the world, but we're not of the world, right? Come out and be separate. Uh, we're, we're required to associate with sinners on a daily basis, aren't we? They're all around us all the time. But don't go with them. Uh, don't go with them. And there are lots of times, you know, come, come go with us. We're gonna, after work, we're going to do this or that. No, I know what's going to go on there. You know, that's not a place for me. I don't need to be anywhere around that. That's a slippery slope. No telling what that could lead to. Uh, I, I'm going to abstain from that. You know, thank you, but no thank you. Um, what could happen there? What, what might that be the beginning of? That first step that your foot goes out from under you and you begin to slide. You know, what could that look like? I was reading something this morning where uh, a woman that was in a, a, a difficult uh, marriage and there was a man that had been you know, showing her some attention at work and she just kind of got tired of, of, of the fight you know, at home every day and trying to keep things going. You know? And so she starts you know, dressing a little differently, going to work, and she starts you know, staying a little bit after special projects and things, and then next thing you know, they're, they're, they're having secret you know, conversations, they're having secret you know, text or telephone calls, they're meeting in secret locations. It's a very slippery slope. Um, we could talk about different ways that, that what that could look like you know, in our own lives, but, but um, you know, it's unavoidable. We've gotta be around the world if we're going to be a light, you know, unto them, if we're going to shine the light of the gospel before them, but you can still be in their midst and be a light and not be a part of them, you know, not walk with them, not stand with them, not sit with them. Listen to First Peter two eleven. That this this is a powerful verse of scripture in regards to what we're talking about. First Peter two eleven says this. Beloved, I beg you. You can hear the words of Peter. I beg you. I implore you. I plead with you, he says. As sojourners, this world's not our home, and pilgrims, he says, abstain from fleshly lusts, which what? War. Think about that word. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Battle against the soul. I mean, sin, it's, it's sin lying at the door. And its desire is to rule over you, right? <clears throat> I beg you, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. How many things are all around us all the time that at war, they are at, they are at enmity with God and they are at war with you, right? It may not look that way, like we're talking about David with the spear and sword and shield against Saul. You know, it may look pleasant. It, it may say to you, go ahead, indulge yourself. You know, it's not a big deal. It's such a small thing. How many things have started out small that have become great, right? Started out so small. Thought I could handle it. It's just a little sin. I can handle it. I beg you, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Evil is everywhere. Evil is lurking everywhere. Its desire is to rule over you. And what hope do we have except asking the Lord to keep us? What, what, what hope do we have except the Lord said, sin shall not have dominion over you? You know, the, the temptations, they're out there. And you know what? You can't handle them. You know, on your own, and you, you can't handle them. The temptations, they're too great. They're too great. Bad company, as we said, corrupts good morals. There are things to be avoided. There are slippery slopes to stay away from. There are things that people have fallen into. You know, Paul warns Timothy, right? He says in 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10, those who desire to be rich, Here's a slippery slope. This is a slippery slope. It's not the only slippery slope. It's a slippery slope, right? There are those who desire to be rich. They fall into temptation. They fall into it. Their feet are not on level ground anymore, right? They, they're, they're taking a tumble. They fall into temptation and a snare. 
and in the many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I mean, this slippery slope, it, it, it may promise pleasure, but there are many sorrows that accompany it. I beg you, Peter says, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. They're a slippery slope. They're only going to end in sorrow, in pain. You know, in, in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, I, get, I know I think about it a lot, I'm sorry, but um, when Christian came to the valley of the shadow of death, I don't know if you recall that, but he gets there, there's a very deep ditch on the right-hand side, right? And in that very deep ditch on the right-hand side, he can see the blind that have led the blind, and they've both fallen into a ditch. So you can see, I mean, he bled Bible, right? I mean, this whole allegory, and there it is. You know, they fell into the ditch. The ditch on the right side. But on the left, there was a quagmire. I don't know if you know what a quagmire is. You know, I mean, I guess the thing that, that, that we might think of would be, you know, a bog, a swamp, um, quicksand, you know, if it was something else like, it looks like good land. It, it, it looks like solid, it looks like level ground. Oh, but it's not. There's, there's no bottom to it. And that's what he says. He says, on the left-hand side, there was a dangerous quagmire. And that quagmire, he said, was such that even if a good man fell into it, he finds no bottom for his foot to stand upon. He said that this quagmire, he says, was what King David once fell into. You think about Bathsheba, right? He once fell into, and in which he would have been smothered, he said, if he who is able had not pulled him out. Right? So don't think that you can handle sin. Can, can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? possible you know um, Peter again I beg you I implore you abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul sin can take your feet right out from under you it is it is a slippery substance sin is you, you, you know some slippery substances right I mean if Heath is out you know greasing his ex excavator and, and he gets an abundance of grease in the place where he steps, guess what? That's a slippery substance. You know, or if you're, you know, changing the oil or if you're on ice. I mean, how many times have we seen videos of people, you know, on a slope, you know, trying to gain traction and they're just sliding all the way down. Sin is a slippery slope. It will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay. Have you heard that before? And cost you more than you want to pay. And the man who said that found it to be true. If you know who it was that said it, and you know what happened to him at the end of his life. So, and and it's it's just a testimony to all of us. You can't stand there. It'll take your feet right out from under you. It's a slippery slope. We need to wash our hands of the whole business. Don't think that there's some little sin that you can handle. Ask the Lord to inspect, examine, try, see if there be, repent of it, and, and walk in the light. Walk in joy. Walk in peace. Walk in the rest, you know, that there is in the Lord. Psalm 24, 3 and 5 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. You hear what it said? Who may stand, right? So we're talking about feet being brought out from under you, a slippery place. Who's going to stand in the holy place? What's well, those who have a clean hands and a pure heart? Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully? He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Now, David's not claiming perfect you know, innocency in every respect of his life. No, he's, he's asking the Lord to examine this thing. Asking the Lord to examine where he is right now. Um, 
If the Lord puts his finger on it, he wants to repent of it. Psalm 19, 12 through 14 says, who can understand his errors? There's things that we don't even know we're doing, right? There, there's offenses before God we don't even realize that we're, that we're making. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. We don't even know uh, the things that there are. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. That's the place where David, you know, seems to be standing here in this psalm. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of the great, or of, not the great, but of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth, I mean, this is a person asking for examination, right? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Then, verse 7, he says, I will publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. I mean, you think if you've fallen into some sort of sin, if your feet have been taken out from under you, what kind of testimony are you to people? You know, in that sin, you're so defeated. In that sin, Satan certainly is coming along and blaming, you know, you for, you know, in the beginning he says, oh, it's okay. The Lord will forgive you. But on the other side, what's he doing? There's no way you can be a Christian to have done that thing. You know, he'll play both sides of the fence, you know, won't he? Uh, to, to seek to take your feet out from under you any way that he can. You know, he's looking for that weakness. But we're never more inclined to tell of God's wondrous works than when we're standing on level ground. You know, when we're standing and walking in the truth. Um, that's level ground there. Psalm 107, verse 1 through 3 says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Well, how does that apply to verse number 7? Well, that's talking about his wondrous works. Well, you know, when are you going to proclaim God's wondrous works? When is the redeemed going to say so? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's we're walking with the Lord. You know, we're going to have a testimony. Um, the Lord saved me from that. Boy, brother, this, this thing, it, I didn't even see it coming. Um, but but, the, but there, there it, it appears on my doorstep, and the Lord says, whoa. And, and I said, well, Lord, what's, what is this? And, and, you know, come to find out, you know, the Lord saved me from something there because I saw somebody else. It went that direction, and I saw what happened in their lives. The, the, the Lord caused me to dodge, you know, a bullet, let's say. You know, if we want to use things in our vernacular. Um, you know, the early church wouldn't have understood that, you know, dodging a bullet, you know. Um, but but um, his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, right? Is that what we're talking about? Redeemed from the hand of the enemy? 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be always ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Well, if you're involved in some deep, dark, secret sin, I can't see you doing that. You know, giving a man the reason, you know, the hope that's in you. Um, you know, you're, you're all bound up in whatever this thing is. Um, but he says in verse number 16, the person that gives a good reason, it says having a good conscience. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? We can't give a good answer because we don't have a good conscience, you know, ourselves. But having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Verse 80 says, I have loved, Lord, I have loved the habitation. Contrast from, you know, that, that congregation of the wicked. Verse number 8 says, I've loved the habitation of thy house and the place where your honor dwells. Uh, is it helpful to be here? You know, is it helpful to gather together with God's people? Uh, is, it, is it helpful to sit under the preaching of God's word? I mean, can you imagine living somewhere where there wasn't a church? You know, and then maybe you don't even have access to, to be able to listen to, to sermons. Yeah, I think maybe you don't have a Bible. You have nothing. You know? uh, how precious is it for people who gather in the underground church to be able to gather together, you know, with one another? Uh, to be an encouragement to one another. You know, here's this one who may be trembling, you know, about, you know, this, this thing, the, the secret police, you know, have kind of caught on to me. They're about to get me. Brother, rest in the Lord. You know, that nothing can be done to you that, 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 he won't, that he doesn't allow. And if he allows it, it's for your good. I mean, isn't it, isn't it good to be consoled, you know, by another brother or sister? Wait, well, that happened to me last week, brother. The Lord spared me. You know, I don't know if he's going to spare you, but he can. He can. You know, I, I, I can remember 
you know, looking at other saints going through things and saying, Lord, if you can bring that brother through that, you know, they, they'd already come out the other side. And here I was going into whatever it was. Lord, if you can bring that brother through that, then you can bring me through it. If you have grace to sustain him in that, there's grace to sustain me through it. You know, if he found a level place to stand there, you know, and was able to stand in the evil day, then you're able to make me stand. So maybe we could say it's a test. Do we love to gather with God's people? You know, is this your favorite day of the week? I know there can be things going on in our lives that we don't always feel as strongly about that as we do at other times, you know, but who else would you rather gather with? You know, would you rather gather with the wicked? You know, um, you know what else would you rather gather around? We're not gathering around a man that's standing behind a pulpit preaching. You know, we're gathering around Christ. You know, what else would you rather gather around? Again, David said, I mentioned already, but this is where it appears is in Psalm 84.10. He says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. A day in your courts is better than a thousand. Imagine David out there in the wilderness being pursued by Saul. Uh, you know, he, he, he would have a vantage point to be able to make a statement like that, right? A day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper. I don't have to have the place of prominence, uh, you know, and I, I don't have to be regarded as important. I, I'd, I'd rather be just a doorkeeper. If I could just be there, you know, a, a day in your courts, I'd, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O oh, Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Is this the best day of the week? Is this the best day of the week? It's the Lord's day. Is this not the best day of the week? I mean, it'd be a drudgery. I know today would be if we had to work. You know, that, that happens sometimes. Um, you know, that's, that's I mean, Lord, I don't want to have any job like that. You know, because this is where you, I mean, I'd be out of the pulpit. That, that, that would be a hard thing. Um, you know, this is where the Lord called me to stand. Well, Lord, give me a job. And, and, and give me the ability to be able to be off, you know, on Sunday so I can stand here, so I, so I can proclaim, you know, your truth, so I can preach, you know, your word. Um, give me a job to where I can, where I, I'd be able to study, you know, to show myself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, you know. Um, but we come here to give glory to God. This our soul delights in. This is the place. I mean, you think about the progression of things. So we have this gathering here today, right? And then sometimes we have a special meeting. And it's even, it's even intensified because now there's other people that are here with us. And, and, and the singing and, and the, the preaching and, and we enjoy it. So and then maybe we go to a Bible conference. It's even extended a little more. And it, all these little tastes of what heaven, you know, it, it's, 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 it's poor, by comparison, I know, to what heaven will be like, but to be there forever, you know, in the presence of, of the Lord. He says, gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men. Again, there's that warning, you know, to our souls. There's that warning, don't gather with those kind of people. In those hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes, it says in verse number 10. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. Again, there's an appeal, you know, here to be able to stand, you know, away from those things and with, you know, the Lord and in the truth and in the light. I will walk in my integrity. David's purposed to walk in the way that God has shown him, walk in the truth and walk in the light that God's given unto him and for the Lord to keep him. Remember we used to, what do you, what do you think about outside of, you know, as an illustration, I guess, in the sense of the word redeem. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind, I don't know about yours, we used to pick up bottles, right? And it had the words on there. You know, you could redeem that piece of glass, you know, for enough maybe to, to get three or four pieces of bubble gum, you know, uh, or maybe something else, you know. Um, 
You could take and redeem that thing. And here David's saying, redeem me. Keep me, you know, from, from evil. Keep me from, keep me from falling down in slippery places. Keep me. Psalm 1611 says, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Doesn't that sound good? Uh, isn't that something your heart, your soul desires? Um, and so lastly, David says, here because of that, because of the Lord keeping me, my foot shall stand in an even place. In the congregations, I will bless the Lord. I'll give... I'll, I'll be among the redeemed who say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? In the congregations will I bless the Lord, standing on the promises of God, walking according to the light of God's word amongst God's people, where we find sure and solid ground, you know, to, in, in God's truth to stand upon, walking in the light. So David has presented his case, one of having walked you know, in integrity, uh, leaning upon the Lord, looking unto him to keep him, trusting in the Lord that he would not fall, right? Well, here's a verse for you, okay, in, in regards to what we've been talking about, you know, kind of wrapping things up, bringing them together here. Habakkuk 3.19 says this, the Lord is my strength, right? The Lord is my strength. If I'm going to have strength to stand, it's going to come from him. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet you remember? Like what? Hind's feet. Hind's feet. You've seen some of those goats get up on those, those rock faces where it looks like, I mean, it looks like I wouldn't have enough of a ledge even for my fingers if I was a rock climber to be able to climb up that wall. And they're standing there. They're standing there. He will make my feet like Hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. The Lord's able to keep you from falling, right? And we find that in the book of Jude too, don't we? He's able to keep us from falling. Well, I'll close with this. Um, something that I read, Brother Conrad had written on uh, the latter part, portion of this psalm here. He says that it's a prayer that every person who has ever lived will pray at least once, redeem me and be merciful to me. We, we see people, even the wicked, you know, Lord, if you'll spare me, I'll serve you the rest of my life, right? And the Lord, you know, gets them out of whatever circumstances they're in and they go on their, their merry, wicked way. But he says, God-fearing people pray it often and as often are heard. The godless will not pray it until they die and feel themselves slipping into hell. You talk about slipping, right? So slipping into hell. And oh, what a tragedy, what a sorrow. What grief to be among that number. Uh, Brother Bruce said this morning, uh, Teresa called me over there. She said, did you hear what Brother Bruce said? Uh, what would you say, Brother? We didn't wake up this morning, what? Start of a good day if you're not surrounded by the flames of hell. He was thinking about the rich man. He died. Next thing he knew, you know, there he was. Um, but... What a tragedy, what a sorrow, what a grief to be among that number. If we would be among the redeemed, those who experience the mercy which God shows to sinners, then we must be those who love the habitation of God's house. That is, we must love the church. We love the church. Christ is the head of it. We love the church. The assemblage of God's redeemed. It is there in the midst of grateful people. I mean, we all stand on level ground at the cross, right? You've heard that before, you know. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he says, it is there in the midst of grateful people worshiping him who saves them from the world, the flesh and the devil, that God's honor dwells. It is there that his name is exalted, that his name is extolled, that his name is praised. If we will not be counted and found in that number, then we will be, we'll be gathered. If we're going to be gathered with these people, he's saying, we're going to be gathered with sinners Bloody men, he says, who practice mischievous deeds, who lie, deceive, and bribe for personal advantage. Is that who you want to take up company with? That doesn't sound very, those are good people, aren't they? Uh, no, absolutely not. These dishonor the God in whose image they were created. 
blaspheme the name of him who holds their very breath in his hand and tread underfoot the blood of the Savior who died to redeem such as we all are. May we then, he says, flee from all evil. May we flee from all evil.